Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR. Welcome in, everybody. Episode six. Kirk Herbstreit. Thirty six of the podcast. Yeah. Speaking America. The Sports Podcast presented yeah. by Betfred Sportsbook. It is Friday, December 9th, two thousand twenty-two. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day. By the way, if you are watching on YouTube, uh, the backdrop, it broke on Thursday. Betfred is sending me a new one, but all you see is a blank white wall. I promise uh, everything is okay. We will get a new backdrop going, but busy show. And here's what you need to know about the Eric Torres pod today. We're going to jump around in a lot of different directions. We're going to start, you know, a topic that we discussed a lot over the summer. It was Brittany Griner. I just want to kind of put a bow on it as we obviously got the news on late or early Thursday, excuse me, that she will be coming home. Uh, Everything that went on, this was something we discussed. I got to kind of just discuss it as she is now coming home, thankfully, but obviously there was a lot of context that needs to be shared. From there, we'll kind of get to more of a traditional show. We will talk. An update on the transfer portal. By the way, I do think this will be a Deion Sanders free episode of the Aaron Torres pod, but we will talk a little transfer portal. Uh, Just kind of some of the names that you need to know. A couple new additions since we last talked about this on Tuesday's show. Then this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. Come back. My main man, Garrett Carr. So for, for people who do not know, Garrett Carr is a writer for us at AaronTorresOnline.com. He does a great job with college football. And I just bring him on to kind of talk about some of the topics. He's he's kind of a Midwest guy, went to Penn State, kind of knows the Big Ten really well. So we talked a little bit about Ohio State. We talked a little bit about the playoff. We did talk some Dion, so it's not a Dion free show, but he will join me to talk some, basically nerd out on some college football for about a half an hour. And then we will wrap with our Friday staple, Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. Busy show, fun show here on a Friday. Before we get to it, a couple quick announcements. One, you know who I want to thank? Our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred app. By now, you know the deal, you know the drill. Betfred started in 1967 in the UK, one of the most reputable sportsbooks overseas. They have come to the United States and made a major splash in recent months. So much to tell you about what Betfred is doing. They are the presenting sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals. Legal sports betting coming to Ohio on January 1, by the way. Some really cool announcements around that, so make sure you are paying attention to that. 
also the presenting sponsor of the Denver Broncos, the Colorado Rockies. And what I love about working with Betfred, there is no company that does more for its betters than Betfred. And here's what they're going to do for you today. On top of everything they've already done, Betfred Sweet at, at Cincinnati Bengals games, first pitch of Colorado Rockies games. As I said, some big things coming for the launch of sports betting in Ohio. Here is what they are doing for you today, right now, this second. If you're a listener to the Aaron Torres pod, download the Betfred Sportsbook app. All you got to do, bet 50 on any game, and you get 250 in free bets courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook. Again, Betfred Sportsbook, bet 50, get 250 in free bets courtesy of Betfred. I love working with them. They take care of you. And as I said, if you're in the Ohio, Kentucky area around New Year's, stay tuned. We got some really cool stuff. Also, I want to thank our sponsor, Bracket Fanatics, who, of course, takes care of our NFL Pick'em. Shout out to Bracket Fanatics. Okay, so Bracket Fanatics by now. Again, you guys also know the deal on Bracket Fanatics. Of course, I've worked with them for multiple NCAA tournaments at this point. They have gotten into the NFL space, and we are running our Aaron Torres NFL Pod Pick'em Challenge. By now, you know the drill there. Sign up, BracketFanatics.com. All you got to do is click the join bracket, bracket name Torres, if you have not already. Here's what Bracket Fanatics is doing for listeners of the Aaron Torres pod. They are giving away $100 weekly winners. Every single week, all you got to do, sign up, pick all of the games that week. And we do, by the way, have our winner from last week in week 13. The question is, who is it? It is Who Day Wins. And I got to give a quick shout out to Who Day Wins, okay? Who Day Wins. Went 14 of 15 last week. The only game he got wrong was the game that everyone got wrong, that tie in the Commanders game. So Who Day wins was on a roll. Who Day wins again. Congratulations to him. I know who it is, so it is a him. It's not in question. But shout out to Who Day wins. He was our winner last week. 14 out of 15 picks. And again, Go to BracketFanatics.com, $100 weekly winners, and the $1,000 season-long cash prize. Thank you to Bracket Fanatics. All right, really quickly, I do want to get to the topic of the day. And what I want to do is just very briefly share some thoughts on a story that we discussed quite a bit over the summer. That was, of course, the, the imprisonment in Russia of Brittany Griner. Okay, I think we all know the deal. Brittany Griner, famed WNBA player, all that good stuff. Uh, she was overseas around this time last year. I think it was February of 2022. Flies to Russia to play in the Russian Professional Basketball League. She gets pulled over at the airport. She has some, some vape cartridges on her in that situation, and she was arrested, okay? And so we talked about it a lot, really in the summertime, because wh why we talked about it is pretty straightforward. I was really, really, really frustrated with the coverage and the lack of coverage when it came to Brittany Griner overseas, okay? And what I said at the time was pretty straightforward. No one is arguing that what she did was not dumb. But at the same time, where my frustration was, was with the modern athlete that wants to be outspoken, have an opinion, talk about everything political, talk about the presidential race, talk about whatever political topic that they care about, 
But for some reason, they were very quiet on the Brittany Griner stuff. And I heard people say, well, it's because it's a complicated geopolitical matter. That's never stopped LeBron James. That's never stopped many other athletes for feeling the need to voice their opinions. I was disappointed that none of them were. If you remember, I gave a lot of credit to Dawn Staley, the women's coach at South Carolina. She was the only one consistently saying, Brittany Griner, Brittany Griner, Brittany Griner, we have to get her home. LeBron finally spoke on it after he was basically publicly pressured to. And in typical LeBron fashion, he made it about himself, said something to the effect of, if it was me, I'd be home already, which was true. But that was kind of why would he just speak out about it, LeBron? You're willing to criticize the former president. You're willing to criticize whomever. We needed you to speak up. But regardless, on Thursday, we find out that Brittany Griner is coming home. Just a couple really quick thoughts, then we'll get to some transfer portal stuff. But listen, I, I you know, first of all, happy for Brittany Griner, happy for her wife. As I said a minute ago, um, this is this is this is a moment to celebrate. Okay, this was a situation where, as I said, I think we can all agree that while bringing a vape cartridge with you to a foreign country, especially one like Russia with the government setup that they have, was probably really dumb. Um, it wasn't something that I think any of us felt like warranted ten years in a political prison. 10 years in, in a Russian um, you know, penal colony. That's where she's been the last couple months. And so I am happy and grateful that she's coming home, happy for her wife, happy that that they can move on as a as a couple and that we we can move on. And Brittany Griner is coming home. On the flip side, you know, a couple other things. You know, one, obviously, we all know kind of what had to be done to get Brittany Griner home. Victor Bout, I believe is how you say his name. Uh, he was an arms dealer in Russia. If you do a little research on him, he's actually kind of an evil guy. Basically, was the guy that has armed drug cartels. He's armed some of these civil wars overseas in certain African countries. Um, but I saw a lot of today, like, how can you, a lot of people, and I don't mean to be crass, but this was the analogy that a lot of people were making was that it basically, it was a political prisoner trade. Okay. Um, that, that, you know, we get back a WNBA player, they get back an evil criminal that's gotten, you know, that that's led to probably frankly, thousands of deaths across the country. What I would just say, and we talked about this in the summer, these were always the stakes. This was what was expected from the Russian side in terms of if we're going to give you Brittany Griner, we expect this in return. So I'm not here to criticize our government. I'm not here to say, and again, I'm not trying to be crass, but these were the conversations that people were having. Um, I'm not here to say that we quote unquote lost the trade or what kind of trade is this? I'm here to say these were always the stakes when it came to Brittany Griner. Also, but I would also say I, I am disappointed. I am disappointed uh, in the situation that, yes, we got Brittany Griner home. Yes, she was the most prominent of, of a couple political prisoners overseas. But I think we also saw that there are a couple prison political prisoners that are not home right now. Uh, there is a former Marine named Paul Whalen. Um, he is still overseas. He did actually an interview with CNN. I don't know how he did it from prison where he said his bags are packed. He's ready to come home. He does not understand how that can be, um, but he's still there. And then Mark Fogle, uh, uh, another American, he was actually in prison over there for, for a marijuana offense. It was a medical marijuana deal. Um, and we don't know all the details, but he is still there as well. 41 year old school teacher. And so I am disappointed. I am disappointed that we couldn't have brought all them home. And again, I would press and pressure and, and, you know, 
urge all of you listening, don't forget about those two young men and uh, not young men, but those two American men. Um, and we got to continue to to bring their names up so we don't forget about them overseas. The finally, the last thing that I would say, um, you know, I, I I hope this is a, you know, wake up call is not the right word for Brittany Griner, right? But but I, I you know, anyone who kind of has followed this story knows she has had some very anti-American things to say in the past. Um, and I'm not here to litigate and say that you can't say anything anti-American or whatever. America isn't perfect, but America is, as far as I'm concerned, the greatest country in the world. I think anybody that's spent significant time overseas, and I'm not saying I'm some you know, political expert or whatever, but you go to a lot of places, they got it a lot worse than here. And so one thing that I've always been disappointed by is a lot of American athletes choosing to use their stage and use their platform to talk down on America, to talk about the problems. No, this place isn't perfect, but at the same time, I believe it's the greatest country in the world. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. And I think anybody who spent any time overseas realizes how great that we have it here and that we shouldn't take our freedoms and our liberties for granted. Brittany Griner at times has been outspoken. She said some things that I think in hindsight she probably regrets, but I bring it up to say I hope she has a newfound appreciation for not only her freedom, but also the work that this country did to get her home. So those are my thoughts on Brittany Griner. Again, felt the need to just very briefly hit on them. Very, very, very happy that she is back. Happy for her, for her family. Uh, but also, let's not forget about Paul Whalen. Let's not forget about Mark Fogle. Let's keep them in our thoughts. I'm going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll do the normal AT stuff on a Friday. We'll talk a little portal. Take a quick break. Be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to get to some much lighter, funner stuff. And that is the college football transfer portal. So we just got kind of serious in that first segment. But I want to talk portal for a few reasons. And what I want to do in a minute is kind of break down kind of the top 10, 12, 15 players that you need to know in the portal, okay? But why I want to have, before we get to the segment, a couple of things. One, this week, as I said the other day, it really was kind of a transformational week as it pertains to the transfer portal and college football as we know it. As I told you earlier in this week, you know, we've always had the portal or we've had it for a few years, but this was the first year that the portal actually closed during the season, okay? And so previous years, I'm Aaron Torres. I'm at Clemson, Florida, Florida State, whatever. I don't like my coach. I got into it with him at practice. I could just enter the portal. The next day, 
Other schools could contact me. I could be literally visiting another campus a week from now. And so the NCAA said, like, look, players should be allowed this this movement possibility. But we can't just have players like having one bad practice, deciding to leave in the middle of the season and then transferring to other places. So they've they've put in these portal kind of guardrails and these portal windows. And so Monday was kind of a, you know, a real, uh, you know, kind of a historic day in college football from the perspective that the portal reopened and it was just like refreshing social media to see who was the latest player that that went in. I saw a lot of people equate it to the first day of NBA free agency or NFL free agency or whatever. I don't even think that's fair because in NBA free agency and NFL free agency, you know, who's actually going to enter or who is a free agent. This was just kind of like, Ooh, that guy's going, Ooh, that guy's going. Could that guy be entering the portal? Oh, that guy's assistant coach. Left. So it was a fascinating couple of days, but what I would also say before we get to the top 10, 12, 15 guys in the portal, I did notice something interesting throughout the week that, that, that kind of caught my eye. I don't think it was nearly as crazy as people are making it out to be. Okay. And so if you listen to other podcasts and other radio shows and other media members, I think people are looking at the sheer volume, the sheer number of players and saying, Oh my goodness, it is the craziest thing that has ever happened in the history of college football. Well, I'm here to tell you this. I run the transfer portal page at AaronTorresOnline.com. Uh, along with Jake Vegas, we run the CFB uh, Transfers Twitter page. And what I can tell you is, just because there's a lot of players in the portal, I don't think it's nearly as crazy as we expected it to be. I think a lot of us really thought it's not only going to be bad players, whatever. It's going to be star players at star schools, big-time schools that are basically leveraging their school, leveraging the portal to either just go somewhere else or get more money out of their school. And so I'm not going to give you a hypothetical, but let's use Bryce Young because we know he's not coming back to college. Let's say Bryce Young was only a sophomore. I think there was a belief that Bryce Young type players were just going to enter the portal just to see what Texas A&M might have to offer, what Ohio State might have to offer, what Oregon, what USC would have to offer. And that's really not what has happened. Instead, the entire portal, there are a lot of names in it, but realistically, it's like one of three groups of people that are in the portal. And we're actually going to talk about this with Garrett Carr, my buddy from Aaron Torres online in a minute. But really, as I, as I follow this stuff, there's really only three types of people that are in the portal right now. It's quarterbacks that don't have a place to play, which that's always going to be the case. Okay. Quarterbacks that don't have a place to play. It's really four types of people. We'll get to all four. Quarterbacks don't have a place to play. So DJ Wheelagonale from Clemson, he lost a starting job. He ain't going to be the starter. He's got to find somewhere else to play. Those guys are in the portal. We also have the end of the bench guys. Like everyone's making a big deal about Alabama's lost 11, 12 players to the portal. I think like maybe one of them was a player that Nick Saban truly wanted back next year. The rest were guys that were not going to play anyway. And so you have those guys. You have the quarterbacks. You have players uh, at the group of five level that are transferring up. Now, those are the superstar players that are just saying, I'm in the Mac, I'm in the Mountain West, I'm in the Sun Belt. Let me step up a level because that's where I want to play. And so those are really the groups. Like Everyone's making it out. Oh, my goodness, it is so crazy. So many players are entering. Outside of quarterbacks, backups that don't play, uh, group of five guys, and the fourth group, I would say, is probably players at schools where the coaches, where there was a coaching change, right? And that's going to always happen. So it really wasn't as crazy as people think it was. And instead, I think it was mostly people in that group of four. 
It hasn't been as crazy, but that doesn't mean there isn't talent. And so what I want to do now is quickly go through what I think are probably the 10, 12, 15 best players in the portal. Just give you a little background on who they are, because these are guys that will make differences, right? I mean, you go back to the portal this time last year. Quinn Ewers, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison hit the portal. Um, Jermaine Burton went from Georgia to Alabama. Uh, Jameer Gibbs went from Georgia Tech to Alabama. And so what I want to do now is just kind of go through some of those players because they are going to be impact players and and just some guys that the, the early returns on who they are and where they may end up. Let's go through what I have as the 10 best players in the portal. If you want to learn more, by the way, go to AaronTorresOnline.com. We have some write-ups on all of these guys. So to me, this is a weird year in the portal because the best player, like there is no, I just mentioned Caleb Williams and Quinn Ewers. I don't think there is a Caleb Williams or Quinn Ewers this year in the portal. I just don't think there's anybody that 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 can come to your program, put your program on your back, elevate your program the way that Caleb Williams did taking USC from four and eight to 11 and two this year, or even Quinn Ewers five and seven to eight and four. And two of those losses came without him in the lineup. But when I look at the portal, in terms of the best player in the portal, I will tell you there is a quarterback. It is not DJ. I believe the best player in the portal, as far as a guy that can make an impact next year, is a kid named Devin Leary, a quarterback who played this past season at NC State. Okay, He came into the year as a legitimate NFL draft prospect. He actually had his best year last year, 35 touchdowns, five interceptions. If you remember, early on this season, he was belie- NC State was kind of a playoff dark horse, and it was because of this guy. He gets hurt, he misses the second half of the season, NC State replaces him, and now he decides to hit the portal. This is the guy. If you're you're a big-time school and your school needs a quarterback, watch out. I still tend to think that Notre Dame is probably the team to beat. Notre Dame is really probably that one piece away. He is a graduate. He, He will be able to step in right away and compete for that job. But I also wouldn't be surprised if the Alabamas, if the uh, Georgias reached out and just said, hey, come here and we're going to play the best player. And if that's a younger guy, we're going to play the younger guy. But if it's you, we're going to play you as well. To me, Notre Dame is still the leader, but I find him to be a very, very, very interesting player because I believe he is a guy that every school is at least kicking the tires on and then we'll go from there. Second best player in the portal. This is the rare guy. This is the rare guy who is actually playing big minutes on a good team, a lot of snaps, and decided to leave anyway. Fascinating story. Tony Grimes, a cornerback from North Carolina. His story is really unique. So he was a high school All-American, five-star, can't-miss corner in the class of 2021. If you remember what would have been his senior year, there was COVID problems. Some schools weren't playing at all. Some schools were playing a limited schedule. He reclassified and went to UNC. For the last three years at NC, er, uh, UNC, he has been a starter at, N- at UNC and still decided to hit the portal this year after finishing with 36 tackles, seven pass breakups, and one forced fumble. What I would say about a player like that, I don't think we're going to get a lot of recruiting intel because he's not one. He's already been through the recruiting process before. He's been recruited by the Alabamas, the Clemsons. He chose North Carolina over Clemson. He's not going to be excited because Coach Prime offered or Nick Saban offered or Kirby Smart offered. I think this one's going to be quiet. I think he's going to end up in an elite school, whether it's Alabama, Georgia, LSU, USC. Those are the types of schools that are going to be recruiting him. Tony Grimes, the corner from North Carolina. I think this one may just be one day we wake up, we find out that he is committed to a blue blood college football program. Number three player you need to know. Another really interesting player. 
Dominic Lovett, Missouri wide receiver. He was actually the third leading receiver in all of the SEC behind Jalen Hyatt, who just won the Bolitnikov as well as one other guy. Played at Missouri last year, 846 yards on 56 catches. This guy is a burner, okay? Up and down the field really fast, but it was an interesting deal at, at, at Missouri because it was kind of one of those deals where it felt like, is he really going to be the focal point going forward? They signed the number one recruit uh, at wide receiver last year in a kid named Luther Burden. Luther Burden's getting most of the snaps, so now he decides to hit the portal. This is another guy he's going to hear from everybody. The early rumors are that Colorado Coach Prime is very much involved, uh, that LSU has gone into the mix. Dominic Lovett is a name you need to know there. Very interesting. Another really interesting name that you need to know. By the way, I love this kid's name. Fentrell Cypress, okay? Graduate transfer from Virginia, all ACC cornerback. You know, he's won. Again, he's won, you know, graduate transfer. Team wasn't very good. They had a coaching change last year. He decides that the portal and he the buzz about him is through the roof. Everybody wants him. Early returns are that Ohio State has already reached out, that Michigan has reached out, that Notre Dame has reached out. Keep in mind, he played at Virginia. So, you know, the academic component of things, he can go to a Notre Dame and not miss a beat. He can go to a Michigan and not miss a beat. Those are the schools that appear to be interested. Now, look, the Tennessees have reached out. The LSUs have reached out. My guess, it feels early like Ohio State is the team to beat. We will see on that. But Fentrell Cypress is another name you need to know. How about Jaheim Bell from South Carolina? Just a fascinating player. He's a tight end who caught five touchdown passes a year ago. This year, he's so talented that at a certain point, South Carolina got low on the depth chart at running back. And he actually went and played running back for a little bit during the season this year. So he's very versatile. I thought he was uh, South Carolina's most unique offensive piece. But apparently he hit the portal to, to try and figure out if there's a better opportunity for him elsewhere. Now, what's interesting about him, he is one that has already said he would consider coming back to South Carolina. So I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but that feels like something where he's going to see what else is out there. He may be looking not only for a football fit, he may be looking for a payday as well, not accusing him of anything. And by the way, in the world that we live in, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I, I I think that, you know, he is a fascinating one to watch there. Uh, a couple other names you need to know. Uh, Desan McCullough, fascinating story here. So this kid, how about this first story? He was committed to Ohio State. Then Indiana hires his dad. He goes and plays at Indiana. Here's the problem. Dad took a job at Notre Dame. And so now he's at Indiana by himself. He just hit the portal linebacker, really talented player. Uh, 30 tackles, four sacks this year as a freshman. Early buzz is he's going to go to Oklahoma. Listen, I, I was down on Oklahoma. I was down on Brent Venables uh, by the end of the year. But part of why they struggled, they need dudes up front. They need dudes in that front seven. This could be a kid that could go there and have an impact right away. Another quarterback you need to know, Brennan Armstrong, another Virginia guy. How about this? Two years ago, easy to forget, two years ago, Virginia actually had the number two ranked pass offense in all of college football. Easy to forget, their coach leaves. He actually pseudo-retired, but he's kind of ready to come out of retirement. They have a coaching change. Brennan Armstrong struggles this year, but I'm telling you, this kid two years ago threw for 31 touchdowns and 4,000 yards. Somebody is going to take a chance on him. He is going to be really good. Uh, and as we wrap up the top 10, interesting name, Josiah Stewart, linebacker from Coastal Carolina. How about this? 
15 and a half tackles for loss, 12 and a half sacks as a freshman. USC has already offered. Michigan has offered. Michigan, not a super aggressive portal team. So Michigan's going to be kind of one of those teams. They're only going to probably offer three, four, five guys. Those are all guys that can come in right away and contribute right away. So the fact that Michigan has offered means something. Keep an eye on him. He's already getting some big time offers. Two more names to know. One Dorian Singer, I think we talked about him the other day, uh, leading receiver, most reception yards in the Pac-12 this past year. He is in the portal. He's heard from everybody. He's heard from Colorado. He's heard from Penn State. He's heard from Miami. He's heard from Arkansas. He's even heard from Arizona State. Dynamic wide receiver. Another one that even though he put up big stats, he was kind of in a weird spot where there was a lot of big time targets. I think he's looking to be the number one guy. Couple other names, DJ. We've already talked about Spencer Sanders from Colorado. We've already talked about uh, JV and Cohen. Very interesting story. Was the starting guard at Alabama. He may be one guy that Alabama actually wanted to retain. Justin Flo, former five-star linebacker, was unhealthy. Was basically out for two years with injury. Finally got healthy this year. And then two players from that vaunted Texas A&M recruiting class last year, Denver Harris. He was one of the players that was indefinitely suspended uh, late in the season. He hits the portal. Chris Marshall, another player that was kind of in and out of Jimbo Fisher's doghouse. They hit the portal as well. Yeah, those are the names that you need to know. Uh, and we'll kind of continue to update these as time goes on. But what I would say is, like I said, to lead the segment, I think it's very interesting. And we're going to talk about this with Garrett Carr in a minute. I don't think the volume of players, of good players at impact schools has made a difference. To me, this kind of frankly kind of comes down to what we talked about with Mark Stoops a few weeks ago. If you remember, Mark Stoops was kind of complaining about, do we have enough NIL money, blah, 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 this and that. We need to get on it. I think there were a lot of schools that earmarked a lot of funds, not necessarily for NIL for portal players, but to make sure to keep their own guys happy. I think that's exactly what happened. I actually think the portal's been a little bit quieter than I was expecting. All right, so what I want to do, take a quick break. When I come back, really fun interview with my main man, Garrett Carr. So Garrett Carr writes for Aaron Torres Online. He does an awesome job for us. Kid loves college football, okay? This is a kid, you know, you know those, those buddies of yours that have know every message board rumor and every recruiting rumor and every this and every that. He's based in the Midwest. He's actually covered uh, Ohio State and Penn State. He knows those programs very well. Going to bring him on. We're going to talk all sorts of stuff. Uh, some of the, uh, you know, the, 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 he has some interesting thoughts on Ohio State. We talk a little bit about the portal itself. Garrett Carr is coming up next. When he's done with, when I'm done with him, we'll do Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong, loaded Friday show. Take a quick break. Be right back. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Joining me via Zoom. Uh, he is a writer for me over at AaronTorresOnline.com. Covers college football really across the Internet in a few different places. And uh, I thought it'd be fun to have you on Garrett Carr. Uh, Garrett, Garrett, you're one of those guys, man. Like, so you know how like there's like this, you know, I don't know if meme is the right like word to describe people that just love college football more than college football can actually be love. Like the message boards, the this, the that, the rumors, the innuendos, some of the texts and uh, calls I get from you at all hours of the night about what could or could not be going on in college football. Uh, are are pretty unbelievable, but you are the man. You love college football, and I appreciate you joining me, man. How you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing well. It's uh, it's a good time to be a college football fan with the portal and bowl season, and you know it's kind of forgotten about. But signing days in a couple weeks now <laughs> too, and so you know a lot of stuff's happening. Coaching carousel is still going on, so. There's just a lot of stuff going on other than playing football. All right. So let me ask you, let, let's talk about some of the stuff that is going on in college football right now. And like you said, the games almost feel secondary at this point. You know, before you came on, I did a little segment and I talked about the portal, some of the names people need to know all that stuff. But one thing, you know, you and I were kind of talking about off air and, and I think there's something to it. I think we like everybody wants the portal to be this thing. That's the craziest thing ever. And oh my God, we've never seen anything like it. And the sheer volume of guys that have gone in, like, yeah, we've never seen that number of guys. But I'll be honest, like, really outside of maybe a few guys from Oregon, one or two guys from North Carolina, it's kind of the same guys that that always go in. It's the quarterbacks that don't have a starting spot. It's the backups at places that know they're not going to play. What, what have you made of the early portal so far? Because I think people want to make it crazier than it actually is. Yeah, so I think people thought, you know, not only the portal, because th- this isn't the first year we've had the portal, but this is kind of the first year we've had a full NIL cycle to go along with the portal. And I thought people thought it would be crazy with, with guys chasing paydays and stuff. But I think what people don't realize is there's not as much NIL money to go around as they think. You know, uh, we hear these schools are raising X amount of dollars. Some schools are in, in the low eight figures now. But a lot of that money is being used to either get recruits or to keep guys already on the roster from going into the portal. So, you know, if you think of it like an NFL salary cap, not all of that money is going to be used for free agent signings. You know, most of that money is tied up in other things. And it's kind of similar here. So, you know, there, there, there's, there isn't a lot of money for superstars, to, you know, to go chase the bag, so to speak, and maybe get three or four million bucks that that's just not really out there as people maybe thought it was. Well, and that's, you know, that's, that's been my takeaway too is, and I, you know, I I know you're, you're more based in big 10 country, but you follow the sport, but you know, two, three weeks ago, Mark Stoops made this big kind of plea to frankly, his administration, like his boss, uh, uh, Mitch Barnhart, like we need to be more aggressive in the NIL game. And I think everybody kind of thought it meant like, Oh, we're having recruits poached. And like, my takeaway was, I think he's worried about the guys in his locker room uh, in terms of like making sure that, that, you know, his guys are taken care of before you worry about recruits, not even just recruits, but portal guys, all that stuff. You know, do you think that that's pretty fair from what you've heard from people in the business is like most of the money is in fact, like, like most of the, the last couple of weeks, the, the fundraising, the conversations behind the scenes have been more proactive and preventative in terms of, Hey, let's make sure that this guy gets taken care of. So he doesn't have to enter the portal as opposed to, Hey, we're going to go spend X, Y, Z in the portal. 
Yeah. So if, if you look at this from the perspective of a head coach, you know, what's more damaging to their job security and reputation? Is that maybe not landing a portal player or is it losing your best player to the portal? And to me, what's what's way more damaging from a public relations standpoint is if you lose your best player to the portal. Uh, you know, let's take an example of, of North Carolina this year, right? It seems like they're going to retain Drake May. If Mac Brown didn't find a way to keep Drake May in the fold and Drake May had offers, you know, I said there weren't a lot of three, four, five million dollar offers out there, but they were there for Drake May. And um, if, if he didn't retain Drake May, that would have been an essentially a death sentence for the Mac Brown era at UNC. That program is done. It's over with him as charged. It, it's the, the momentum is at zero now. So, yeah, so it's guys want to retain the guys they have, especially if you're a program who feels like you're in a good spot. Right. You know, if, if you're if you're going to have a good team next year. It's not about who you can add. It's I want to keep things the same and we'll get better over the summer. So, yeah, so I agree that there's a lot of coaches just want to take care of the guys on their team, show that loyalty. And that's going to pay off in recruiting, too. Right. You know, if, if you have this per, uh, perception as a team who's going to recruit over everyone in the portal, that's going to hurt you in recruiting. But if you have a perception of a guy who's going to take care of productive players already on your team, that's only going to help you uh, with high school players. Very good. Let's move on to just a couple other things here. Uh, one. So the story of the week, and it's reflected in every metric that I can see, uh, is Deion Sanders. And so, you know, again, another topic that you and I have talked about many times kind of off air. But are you like, like it feel it just it's such a big story to me. And, and you see all of the mainstream national talk shows that wouldn't normally talk college football or wouldn't talk coaching carousel. Is it even bigger? Like right now, he's got to win and we get all that. Like, is it even bigger though than you thought it would be? Because I'll be honest, like Dion is an entity of his own and it was really big at Jackson State. Like he made HBCUs and FCS football relevant in a way that it had never been. But I, I think I am surprised at the, the amount of talk, the amount of ink that is going into who Dion's hiring, who he's recruiting, who may flip, you know, who in the portal has an offer. Uh, I've been surprised. I'm happy. I love good stories more than I love teams or players. This is a great story. I've been like genuinely surprised. I knew it was going to be big. I think it's probably bigger than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I, I thought it would be a media circus. I mean, Dion, and I'm saying this positively because I like Dion, but Dion creates a media, media circus himself and, and he knows how to use that to his advantage. And some people know how to do that. And that gets him really far in, in all walks of life, not just sports. Um, you know, how big it is, I, I think it's too early to say, you know, I, I know there are a lot of players interested in playing at Colorado. Ask me in, you know, a month, how many of the, how many of those guys they got. And then if they got a fair number of them, then we can say, okay, you know, things are really happening or a guy is just kind of, intrigued with the idea of playing for him there and maybe going to visit Colorado, which is, is a beautiful campus and good location, all that stuff. Um, but I, I tell you who the real winner is here and all of this, and uh, Colorado is a big winner, especially if it turns out, but the, the PAC 12 is a big winner here. They're going to lose most likely two of their biggest brands in USC and UCLA, obviously the UCLA thing with the uh, California border regions isn't settled yet, but I, I don't expect anything to happen there. Having Dion around does give people a reason to care about Pac-12 football and fans of other Pac-12 programs, like especially ones that are really competitive, Oregon and Washington, are probably saying, well, aren't we a reason to watch Pac-12 <laughs> football? And I can say to someone on the East Coast, I'm a college football junkie, but other people I know on the East Coast who watch a lot of college football 
they're watching the Pac-12 the least because of you know the time the games come on and just you know the, the conference isn't all that important. I mean, it's it's another year for them without a a team in the playoff. So I think the Pac-12 is a real winner here of you know Colorado games, especially if he can go seven and five or six and six this year, which that'd be a feat, right? People are like, oh, six and six, but if he gets Colorado six and six. In 2023, that's a feat. I mean, not only were they bad at 111, but they got blown out a ton. If he does that, there'll be a ton of excitement for 2024. That'll help them maybe absorb the USC and UCLA losses those same years and those time slots that they put USC in. Maybe they give those games to Dion and they see some decent TV ratings. So it's funny because that was actually my kind of big takeaway from you know Sunday into Monday as well. I like I, I was like the biggest winner here is the Pac-12 for all the reasons that you said. Um, and it was funny because George Klyovkov, their commissioner, actually said this week, yeah, you know, part of the reason we haven't signed a deal yet is I knew this was coming. And, you know, I think it's a little bit of a song and dance from him, but it does speak to like this guy is going to get eyeballs on that conference in that league. And I do think I, I could be totally wrong and I could look dumb. I think he's going to convince enough dudes to come there where one, I think they're going to be really compelling on offense. I don't know if it's going to be a, you know, they basically have to almost like USC this year where they almost have to outscore people. Uh, Cause I have been kind of monitoring even just the offers that they've given out in the portal. It's mostly all wide receivers, running backs, things like that. So obviously, you know, that was kind of USC's downfall was they didn't have enough dudes in the trenches, but I, I think, I do think it's going to get to six and six. And by the way, you're right. They, they were the least talented roster in the power five this year. I think no question about it. And, uh, but I think, I think there's going to be, I don't know who, and I don't know what, and I don't know how, but I think there's going to be a fair number of commitments. Um, and I think he's going to put a respectable product on the field. But like I said, I think it ultimately comes down to those guys in the trenches, you know, you know, people forget, especially if you're a millennial like myself and, and I really into the sport, but don't don't necessarily know the history of it. Colorado mm-hmm. is it's it's not a blue blood, but it might honestly make its way into the end of the second tier historically. Sure, you know, in in the Big Eight, it was Nebraska and Oklahoma, but then right below them was Colorado, and especially in the eighties and the nineties, and even in the early two thousands, they they got gypped out of a BCS title game appearance in two thousand one. Yeah, um, you know, Colorado was a legitimate legitimate program. You know, people think of the Cordell Stewart Hail Mary and stuff, but there are a lot of other good moments uh, in the 90s. I, I think they might have even won a national championship did, or a yeah. share of one early in mm-hmm. the 90s. You know, this is a place that can attract talent. And I said, Boulder's a beautiful, beautiful campus. Um, and, and there's more fan support than, than people think. It's just the fan support has been beaten down. Oh, yeah. They've been so bad for so long. Uh, but but I think back to 2016 because I remember watching the game because had they have beat Washington that year, Penn State would have gotten the playoff. And I'm a for those who don't know, I'm a Penn State uh, alum. Colorado brought a ton of fans that year to the Pac-12 championship game. Like when Colorado football is good, people will care, people yes. will show up, and you you can win at Colorado. It isn't a lost cause at, at, at the same way that I think Boston College is due, due to the location or or some other places. You can win at Colorado. And I, I give them credit for going for a big swing, you know, throwing the Hail Mary, so to speak, with Dion. It would have been easy for them to make some nondescript hire, mm-hmm. you know, went and got a guy like Troy Taylor at Sacramento State, who, who's a good coach, no doubt about it. But Dion can, you know, give that roster a makeover as fast as any coach in the country. And and, and good for them for, for swinging for the fences. Now, let me ask you a dumb question that there's no 
possible answer to that we could know, but I, I'm going to ask you anyway. Do you think there's any schools out there that are regretting not being more aggressive? Because I think there was kind of this perception with Dion. Well, he'll come to the FBS and he'll come to the Power Five, but it's got to be the right. It's got to be Florida State. It's got to be a legitimate SEC school. And now I'm looking and sitting here saying, should Georgia Tech maybe have tried a little bit harder? And I know Georgia Tech, it's an academic school. The transfers aren't as easy. I get all that. But oh, by the way, Apparently, it wasn't easy to get transfers into Colorado until like two weeks ago when they completely changed the admissions process for Dion. So whether it is Georgia Tech, whether it is like Hugh Freeze at, at Auburn, I think Hugh Freeze is going to work at Auburn. But I think Dion would have brought something to even Auburn that Hugh Freeze can't. Do you think there's schools that are like, we probably should have kicked the tires a little harder on this one? I think in about two years from right now, Auburn fans will be thinking, what the heck were we doing? Um, you know, I don't know if anyone's fr- is, is familiar with Rush Probst as a name oh, yeah. you should know who, mm-hmm. you know, it's a long Wikipedia back, page. Yeah. Yeah. You know, back in the day coached at, at Hoover high, right. When they had a show on MTV back in my teenage years, a show at two days and he coached, uh, you know, coach last chance you. And that, then he got hired at Valdosta in Georgia, which is, you know, power, power high school program. Valdosta was selected by ESPN like 10 years ago as, as title town America. Anyways, uh, Rush Probes is going to win you football games for a year, maybe two, but it, it's guaranteed the program he runs will end in complete ruin. And I pinky promise you, Auburn fans, Hugh Freeze will leave Auburn in complete ruin. And, you know, Dion has the antics and all that. But even in his NFL career, Dion was not a problem off the field. Dion is well behaved, all that stuff, you know. Hugh Freeze will, will act like a saint, but he, he will ruin Auburn. And I think Auburn will regret not bringing Dion in. Um, you know, obviously Dion would have picked Auburn over Colorado. At least I would have to think so. And he would remake that roster faster than Hugh Freeze is. I'm not so sure he isn't even a better football coach than Hugh Freeze. And he's going to be way less embarrassing for your school. So, yeah, there, there are teams out there. You know, Georgia Tech's another one that I think will regret it. Um yeah, I I think teams will definitely regret not hiring Dion. Yeah, and that that's the thing is, and I think there's a it's important to know, and I've talked about this on my show a million times, but like I think there's this perception, like you said, that it's 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 a it's a show, it's an it's the this guy coached high school football, this guy coached you know one uh, you know he won what twenty three of his last twenty five games at the FCS level. I don't care where you're coaching, uh, if you win twenty three or twenty five, you you know what you're doing, and so. I think that is going to be an interesting element to follow, especially again, if he gets some of these kids to flip, if he gets some of these kids to Colorado that wouldn't have even considered Colorado uh, two, three weeks ago. Really quick, you mentioned, you know, you're a Penn State alum. I kind of just want to like take things to, to Big Ten territory right now. And, you know, just because of where you live and who you know, again, some of our conversations that, that aren't for recording, um, you know, I know you're you're kind of plugged into the Ohio State program. And I'm just curious, like, what is your perspective on Ohio State right now? Because I, 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 on the one hand, I think an outsider would sit there and say they're, they're 11 and one, whatever. Um, I would sit there and say, and I've said it on this show, Ryan Day gets paid $10 million to win one game a year, and he has lost it two years in a row. And as I've said on this show, and I think it's important to know, um, you you look through like a lot of their recent kind of quote unquote marquee games trailed going into the fourth against Penn State trailed at halftime against the bad Notre Dame team that lost to Marshall a week later. Uh, you know, the, the trail to Utah in the Rose bowl last year. And so 
I think this thing is going in the wrong direction, maybe at a speed faster than I think the average fan would probably think. Like I said, I, I know you you kind of know that program pretty well. You live in the Midwest. Just just your thoughts overall on Ohio State. Yeah, so first of all, I want to preface this, but that everything I'm about to say could look very stupid in a month. Sure. Okay. Um, you know, that's my whole career. Win, everything I say ends up looking stupid. So okay. You know, if, if they happen to win two more football games. But I, I go back to Miami at the beginning of the at the, at the beginning of the 21st century, and the slip was slow at first, and it was hard to notice because there was so much talent um, at Miami. You know, everyone talks about that 2001 team being incredibly talented, and it was, and and it covered for some deficiencies that were popping up in the program under Larry Coker. And they started to come out, you know, the next year they lose to an Ohio State team that was good, but not nearly as talented as them. The next year they go nine and three, and now all of a sudden you're in the downslide. And that's kind of what Ohio State feels to me right now. Under Jim Trestle and even under Urban Meyer, listen, Ohio State was as physical of a football team as you'd play in the country anywhere. And, you know, week in and week out on offense and defense, they could run the ball, they could stop the run. They're going to be tough, physical, assignment sound. And then especially when Meyer got there, the talent increased a lot. Not that Trestle wasn't recruiting well, but it wasn't the same level. And all of a sudden you saw some true juggernaut teams. Meyer struggled to get a truly great quarterback in there. That really held, that really held him to only one national title. But the football teams are better than these Ohio State football teams. Right now at Ohio State, it's really, really hard to argue that this is not a soft, finesse program that folds the minute they come under any adversity, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball, which is that's scary, right? Because you have an that's offensive guy right? as the head coach. You have all that offensive talent. But when rubbers hit the road in games the last couple of years, that offense hasn't exploded. You know, you mentioned Penn State. Ohio State did play a really good fourth quarter, but it wasn't really the offense that played that great Correct, fourth yep. quarter. They, they, they had one good drive, a one good three-play drive, and, and give CJ and company credit, but the defense kept giving them short fields or score their own touchdowns and help the offense's momentum. Even against Notre Dame this year, you know, they, they ended up winning that game, but it wasn't due to the offense being super explosive in the second half. You know, they, they ended up having to run the clock a little bit and turn out tough yards on the ground, and, and a defense against a, a really not good Notre Dame offense at all kind of won that game. And then you, you saw it against Michigan, you know, uh, in, in years past, there have been shootouts between Ohio State and Michigan, but the Ohio State offense had responded with touchdowns. They didn't do that on Saturday, and they didn't they didn't do it last year. It seemed like whenever that offense has faced any sort of adversity, it just hasn't played well. I don't know if that's personnel. I don't know if that's just, you know, maybe C.J. Stroud isn't built for those kind of moments. That's kind of my take on the whole situation. But it's certainly a trend now going back two years, maybe even three years, if you go back to the national championship game against Alabama, where, and that wasn't a great Alabama defense, by the way, where that offense kind of sputtered. Um, yeah, I would be worried if I was an Ohio State fan, if, if we hired kind of Larry Coker 2.0 here, and if Ryan Day is really the right guy to lead this program uh, for the Buckeyes. So real quick, what I would say, so I, I might have told this story on this podcast before, but I'm so glad you referenced the Miami team. So I remember I did a big, when I worked at foxsports.com, I did a big oral history on the 2001 Miami team. And obviously you, you know, you talk to people that were around the team, but then it bleeds into the previous year when they should have played for a championship the, the following year when they played Ohio state. And 
Andrew Swayze was like a very famous strength and conditioning coach. He was like the dude, like you talk to Ed Reed, Andre Johnson, like those are like Swayze is what made that program. And so I interviewed Andrew Swayze. And what he said was, I remember he said, I was on the field before the Ohio state game. And I was talking to Lynn Swan. I remember Lynn Swan. Now he's like the former, you know, USCAD. He's kind of a punching bag, but at the time he was a respected, you know, sideline reporter guy for ABC. And Andrew Swayze says, you know, how long do you think this is going to last? Because, you know, Lynn Swan played on great USC teams. And he's sure. like, how long do you think this is going to last? Well, and great Steeler teams, too. I mean, I mean, four, four rings for the Steelers. Great. Exactly. And so and so Andrew says, how long do you think this is going to last? And, and Lynn Swan, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember the exact quote, said something to the effect of it's already starting to turn and you don't even know it yet. And Andrew Swayze was like, I, I was blown away. And in history, he was a thousand percent correct. And you could have never envisioned at the time. And I, I, I do, I feel, I feel kind of the same way about Ohio state as well. And, you know, and I think that's an interesting thing, right? Is I think that there are some times where people in our business, like you have a strong opinion on something and other people in our business perceive it to be a hot take, or you're looking for attention or whatever, and it's funny because, you know, I, I I don't know that I'm like super anti Ryan Day, but I think there's like an argument to be made that he just isn't that dude. And and it was funny because I saw somebody like really kind of like push the argument of like, well, wait a second now. He was basically a, a fired quarterbacks coach with the 49ers who, uh, you know, Urban Meyer needs to modernize the offense. And one year later, he's the Ohio State head coach. And the infrastructure was so good that basically nobody could have, you know, screwed that up at that point. And so like, I don't know that I'm full fledged, like Ryan day, isn't the guy, but I think there's like more evidence and probably a stronger case than like the average person wants to give it credit for, you know, and, and I don't even necessarily think Ohio state, I think so, many Ohio state fans are smart and they can see what we can see. And it's not just a, we've lost to Michigan twice, fire the coach. I think they're seeing what we're talking about. And so I, I don't know. This isn't really a question as much as a statement, but I, I just I thought it was funny because I'm not super anti Ryan Day. But when people tried to kind of make the argument that maybe to use a, a quote from Jim Harbaugh, he was born on third base and thinks he hit a triple. People started making that argument after the Michigan game and other people in our business started criticizing him. And I said, I don't think it's really that far off to at least be asking these questions. Not saying it is, but it's not. I don't think it's wrong to be asking these questions after two straight losses to Michigan and, in general, a program that appears to be backsliding. Yeah, I mean, I, I think all that's fair. I think this Georgia game is huge for him um, for, for two reasons. Obviously, you beat Georgia, and you know we're, we're at the point right where if Georgia wins – this championship we're starting to approach dynasty territory right because you know that that'd be two straight titles no one else has done that in the playoff era interesting um, that's interesting point, um yeah. yeah no no one else has done it which is kind of weird to think about you, you think maybe alabama would have done it but they have not i do not believe they didn't um and um yeah so you know that's that that's crucial for him but also it would set up a rematch in michigan and I'm sorry to say this, Michigan fans, but, um, you know, if Michigan beats TCU and Ohio State beats Georgia and Ohio State beats Michigan, nobody cares about what happened in November. Right. Um, you know, right. I, I just went through this as a North Carolina basketball fan with UNC and Duke, and no one would have cared that we, that, that Carolina beat Duke at Cameron Indoor at Coach K's last home game if they had beat us in the Final Four. Sure. So that's going to be big for Ryan Day. But if they lose to Georgia, and I think they will, 
I think Ryan Day is really on the hot seat next year, and the schedule does not set up well for a couple reasons. First off, you're at Michigan to end the year. That's not good. Michigan's going to bring back J.J. McCarthy. I know they lose some guys up front, but they're going to do well in the transfer portal, bringing in offensive linemen. Doesn't set up well. Second off, you know, looking at the Big Ten still, it's going to be the best Penn State team James Franklin has had. Mm, yeah. And if you look historically, no one has played Ohio State as well as James Franklin has over it's the true. past 10 years. Um, you know, people are like, oh, only one win. And I get it. But with the talent gap, Penn State has been a play away from winning of those nine games, maybe seven of them, maybe eight of them. And now the talent gap next year is going to be a lot, a lot smaller. Both teams are going to be in very similar situations at quarterback. And all of a sudden, you look at an Ohio State team where they could lose two games. And if one of those is to Michigan, he's not going to be the coach in 2024. It's, it's He's not. He's not going to lose to Michigan three times in a row, not win the Big Ten any of those years, and not win a championship every, any of those years, and still be the coach of Ohio State in 2024. It's not going to happen. Really quick before uh, I have one, well, two things I want to get to. The first one, you mentioned Alabama and having never won back-to-back. Here's just my question for you. I just did an interview in Tuscaloosa with my buddy Ryan Fowler, so I'll ask you. If I gave you an over-under of half a national championship for the rest of Nick Saban's career, in the world that we live in, transfer portal, next year he's going to have a first-year starting quarterback. He's probably going to have at least one, maybe two new coordinators. And I said, we don't know how long Nick Saban's going to coach. If I gave you over or under a half a national championship, in other words, is he going to win at least one more? Do you believe right. he's going to win at least one more? Yeah, so real quick, they they did win back-to-back, but not in the playoff era. They won in 2011 yeah, 2012. Yeah. Maybe LSU and Notre Dame. Um, no, I'll over. I mean, over. Mm. Uh, sure. I would take the over one and a half. Really? To be blunt. Yes. It's Nick Saban. Listen, He's had groups before that forever, for whatever reason, just didn't quite get it right. The, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the, the, the 2010 group was like this a lot, right? You looked on paper, all this talent, they had some injuries too, but they just didn't quite, it, it just didn't quite go right. And then he went back to back and reestablished the dynasty. Listen, this guy's still the top of his game. They're still recruiting like a powerhouse. He's going to bring in some great coordinators. He's going to make the changes. Some of the guys who are playing right now didn't maybe didn't live up to their potential. They're gonna be gone. There's gonna be a fire in that in that in that. Couldn't building. you have said that They're coming into this year though? Couldn't you have said that there would be a fire after the way last year ended? You could have, but when I go back and look at it, I can see how that building got a little complacent this offseason because you know the players they're not dumb and they say, oh well, you know, yeah, Georgia beat us with a once in a generation defense for Georgia. But, you know, they look around the locker and they're like, well, you know, Bryce Young's to my left and he just won the Heisman Trophy. Will Anderson probably should have won the Heisman Trophy. He's to my right. And we've got Nick Saban as coach. We're going to roll to a national title. And to be fair, you know, I had a really good I had a really good preseason uh, um, in terms of predictions. That's but I, my didn't last thing, Al- yeah. I, I did get Alabama wrong, though. I thought Alabama would roll to it this year. So I, I can't blame the players for thinking like that. But now you're looking at, at an offseason where they've lost twice. They're losing that quarterback. Nick Saban's going to be ticked off. You'll be the, the, uh, no, no SC championship game, no playoff. I think it's going to be a tough offseason in Alabama, uh, in that building. I think Saban's going to have them right. I'm not saying they're going to win it all next year, but just right off Nick Saban, you know, he's the greatest coach of all time. I mean, I even think back to, to Penn State, and Joe Paterno was like clearly past his prime. 
And even still, in the last six years of him being a head coach, he had two years where Penn State was a play away from either an undefeated season or playing for the national championship. So you know, the, the, these greats are, are going to get their guys back on top. Yes, Saban will win one again. Yeah, and, and it's funny because this was kind of the argument that I got in with Ryan was he loves, obviously he loves Saban, but he was a little more critical of Saban. I said, I think it was the coordinators. I don't think they have the right guy at either spot, and I think Saban's going to get that fixed, and I think he'll figure it out. And we, Like you said, we have a 30-year, you didn't say this part, but 30-year track record that he's going to figure it out, and there's been peaks and flows, ebbs and valleys. I, I do agree. Uh, peaks and flows, ebbs and valleys. Okay, I said that right. Uh, last one. All right, we'll let you out of here. Um, you you kind of humble brag there a half a second ago. I was going to ask you anyway. So we did all of our preseason predictions at AaronTorresOnline.com. And uh, among yours that that I remember off the top of my head, you said Oklahoma was going to be the most disappointing team in college football. I, I, I certainly did not echo that sentiment that you did. You picked Caleb Williams to win the Heisman. You may have picked USC for the playoff. I can't remember. I did. I did. So you basically batted a thousand. Uh, I don't know if you want to take a victory lap or kind of explain what you saw that maybe other people didn't. Uh, and I know there were some other ones too, uh, but yeah, my, that much better than my preseason prediction of uh, you know Alabama over Ohio State with Oklahoma in the playoffs. So uh, what were you seeing in the preseason that I was clearly missing? Yeah, I'm going to take a victory lap here, and I'm going to do it at the expense of Oklahoma fans who <laughs> all offseason, all I saw on Twitter and their message board or whatever is they were better without you know tbow which you know i don't know what kind of language you allow in your podcast but it stands for the expletive out west lincoln yep. riley and that's nonsense listen they were bringing in a guy brent venables who was a great defensive coordinator at clemson even though he got fired by the way at oklahoma or ran off at oklahoma for, for the same job but had no real head coaching experience to, to run a program that's a blue blood oklahoma completely different job than running a defense Whereas Lincoln Riley was going to go to USC and a job he's already done as a head coach at a program that, you know, has struggled, but it's still USC at the end of the day. And he's going to bring Caleb with him. And, you know, if, if you watched Oklahoma last year, that was not a good team without Caleb Williams playing. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, it was like pretty predictable. Oklahoma would struggle and the Pac-12 isn't very good. USC could win. 10 games maybe and maybe 11 i mean gosh they, they, they were so close to the playoff you know uh people are thinking about the the loss to utah last week but really what kept them out of the playoff is the first loss to utah where they led in that game late jordan addison got hurt the defense gave up two late touchdowns and they lost if they win either one of those games are in the playoff um i'm a big fan of lincoln riley oklahoma fans took it way too personally that he left for southern california I haven't been to Oklahoma. I'll, I'll be there in a couple months for NCAA wrestling. I've been to Los Angeles a few times, about to go back. Seems like a no-brainer to me uh, to, to, to go to Pasadena or to go to L.A. and coach there instead. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm just really high on Lincoln Riley at USC. I've told you in the past, he needs to get rid of Alex Grinch. It's not going to work. He needs to get a real defensive coordinator. But Lincoln Riley is going to put up points wherever he goes. So that's why I kind of moved the USC pick. And Caleb Williams showed last year the tools. He had to win a Heisman Trophy. And with a guy like Lincoln Riley in year two, bringing Jordan Addison on, bringing Mar Mario Williams over, playing against bad Pac-12 defenses. I felt really good about that pick. Um, and I was never going to pick C.J. Stroud. If you notice, Aaron, <laughs> in my weekly columns, which went out, C.J. Stroud never went into the top three. Uh, not one week. And he was he was on the top of the odds all week. 
everyone in the top. And that's not anti-Ohio State bias. You know me. I don't hate on Ohio State and Michigan just because they're Ohio State and Michigan. But you have to know what players have and what players don't. C.J. Stroud's never had it, ever. Uh, Caleb Williams has always been that dude. So that kind of explains that pick. Um, but whatever you do, don't go back and look at my predictions and look who I picked to finish runner-up in conferences because there were some clunkers like Miami and Wisconsin uh, in there that maybe uh, weren't so good. We all, well, we all had Miami. Um, and, uh, and yeah, no, I, I, you know, the CJ Stroud thing, we'll get out of here is I, I never understood that. And again, it defaults to best quarterback on best team. I hate that. And I, I, I said this on, I guess it would have been Tuesday show, Wednesday show. I I've never, I don't think ever cared enough to even do a segment on the Heisman trophy finalists. But this year when Hendon Hooker gets left home, and I think to a smaller degree, Blake Corm gets left home, but CJ Stroud gets to go. Uh, it is abominable. All right. Uh, Garrett Carr, you can follow him on Twitter at real Garrett Carr. Uh, I get, I don't really, I haven't, we, we haven't talked about if you're doing anything here in the coming, coming days for uh, Aaron Torres online, but yeah, I, I will have a, uh, I will have a ranking the bowls. I did that last year and, uh, I do that with my buddy. His name is Trevor King. He's a big West Virginia fan. Loves college football like I do. And it's fun because I'm a bull curmudgeon and he mm-hmm. loves bulls, right? You know, uh, he thinks like the Gasparilla Bowl is the greatest <laughs> thing that's ever been invented. How and is I'm he like, holding up as a West Virginia fan right now? Well, you know, he, he's he got a good perspective on things. Um, they definitely should have fired Neil Brown. Uh, Jamie Chadwell was right there uh, to, to, to be Rich Rodriguez 2.0. It was so obvious. It was so easy. Um, but yeah, he's doing fine. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to convert him to, to a much better program historically, um, in terms of Penn state, but no, he's doing fine. So anyways, we'll be back. Uh, I know we're going to talk about and do our rankings on Sunday. So that'll probably come out early next week. And then I'm sure there'll be some recruiting and signing day stuff. Yes. And hopefully, hopefully I will be able to write a column after the Rose bowl basking in Penn state's glory of a Rose bowl win and talking about just how big this season was for James Franklin coming off two subpar years to have a really, really great season this year. So, Well, we'll save that for next time because I want to ask you, I, I don't generally get the James Franklin frustration, but um, but that's another conversation for another day. All right, Garrett Carr, make sure to follow him at Real Garrett Carr. My man, I appreciate the time. Uh, we will talk again. Maybe, you know, as you get we get close to the, the championship game or something, we'll do this again. But I appreciate you, and we'll do it again soon, all right? Yes, thanks, Aaron. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody, I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. Final segment of the week. So good to be back. First of all, thank you again to Garrett Carr. Really love talking college football with him. Fun conversation. He is a great, not only guy, he just, he loves college football. I love having him on. And so I appreciate all of his help. I hope you enjoyed the interview too. By the way, I'm looking at myself in the reflection here. Uh, We will get a new backdrop soon. This is weird. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, it's, it's, it's something, 
But with that said, let's go ahead and wrap with our favorite Friday segment. That is where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. By now, you know the drill. You know why we do this. You know what it's all about. Stole this bit from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Colin does where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong every week. And I decided to bring it to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. And it is for one simple reason, right? It is because over the course of a week, a month, a year, nobody loves telling you the things that they got right more than your boy Torres. Torres said this. Torres said that. Why don't you listen to Torres? Torres, 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 Torres. Just one problem. I get a lot of stuff wrong too. And so because of it, it's a fun way to end the week, right? We go through some of my best predictions of, you know, the week, month, year, whatever. But we also, I got to take those L's as well. So let's get into it with where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. And I'll tell you this. I got a fun right to end the segment that is going to blow your mind. Stay tuned for that. But let's get into it where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, where Aaron was right. So let's start with last Sunday morning when they announced the college football playoff. If you follow me on Twitter all weekend long, I kept saying one thing pretty consistently. Everybody kept trying to make the argument for Alabama. Is Alabama going to sneak in? Close losses, blah, 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 this and that. And what I kept saying was, I don't buy that Alabama has any real shot. And what I kept saying was, it reminded me of the 2018 college football playoff where a two-loss Georgia for like a day and a half, we kept trying to make the argument that Georgia with two losses, their entire resume was basically a close loss to Alabama that they should be in the playoff. In the end, they did not get in that year. The fourth spot came down to them in Oklahoma, and this year reminded me of that as well. I said Alabama doesn't have a resume. They have no great wins. Their entire resume is close losses, just one problem. TCU's only loss of the season was on the final play of the game in overtime of the Big 12 championship game. Alabama does not have a resume. Fast forward to Sunday morning. Not only does Alabama not get in, TCU is the number three seed, meaning it came down to actually Alabama and Ohio State, and it did not feel like the committee seriously considered Alabama. So listen, we can talk about Alabama, what needs to get fixed, all that stuff over the course of the next couple weeks, but the bottom line was this was all a media narrative. It was all made up to just create conversation when we knew who the four were. For four were, I was dead right. Alabama was never seriously considered for the college football playoff. Where Aaron was wrong, let's get into a little bit of college hoops, and we'll talk about my UConn Huskies here in a minute. But over the course of the offseason, one thing I kept saying was, this could be a historically bad year for the Big Ten. I really said, outside of Indiana, I said Indiana should be ranked. My boy Mike Effin Woodson, make sure to get your Mike Effin Woodson gear, by the way. Uh, but outside of Mike Effin Woodson, outside of Michigan, I didn't really see very much talent in the Big Ten this year. Uh, yeah, I was dead wrong. This week alone, Maryland in the top 25. They have taken care of business. They did suffer their first loss, but that's a legitimate team under first-year head coach Kevin Willard. Illinois is way ahead of where I thought they would be. Beat UCLA in Vegas a few weeks ago. Takes care of Texas this week at Madison Square Garden. Ohio State has looked better than I thought. Uh, Michigan State, even with a couple losses, has looked better than I thought. And let's give credit where it's due. Purdue is right in the short conversation of the number one team in the country. Zach Eady's back. They took care of Duke. They took care of Gonzaga in the PK-85 in Portland. The Big Ten, they're playing good basketball. Now, they still got to win some games in March when it matters, but I got to own the L because I said I think there's one, maybe two teams that deserve to be ranked. No, they got about six or seven that are playing really good basketball. That's not just my opinion. That's based on the games they've won. Credit to them. Where Aaron was right, 
So I know I promised at the beginning this would be a Dion-free show, but I said mostly Dion-free, not 100%. Well, fast forward, I got to say I was dead right on Dion. I've been saying since September that's who Auburn should go get because of everything that he's done since he got to Colorado. First of all, he is going to win at Colorado. He is a real football coach. This isn't just some guy who's a famous football player that wants to be a D1 head coach. No, 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 no. He coached at the high school level. He gets recruiting. He gets how to build a roster. He gets, by the way, how to build a roster in the transfer portal NIL era. He won at Jackson State, and he's going to win at Colorado. But more than just that, what I told you, he's going to win, and he is going to create excitement in your program. We haven't talked about Colorado football on this show ever outside of when they fired their coach. And we are talking about them literally every single episode. And I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon. The latest, there was a four-star running back, Dylan Edwards, who was committed to Notre Dame. He decommits on Thursday. All signs point towards Colorado. The bottom line is this. Dion creates excitement in your program. Dion is going to win at this level. Cannot believe that more schools did not seriously consider hiring him. And as me and Garrett Carr discussed earlier, I think Auburn might regret it. I think Georgia Tech will regret it for sure. And I told you, this guy was going to create excitement. He has done that. Where Aaron was wrong. All right, so let's go to the NFL. Jumping around. College football, college basketball. I want to talk the NFL. And what I would just say is through the years, I have been a Jimmy G supporter through and through. I've basically said at the end of the day, this guy was one throw away from winning the Super Bowl. The 49ers blew a double-digit fourth-quarter lead in the Super Bowl. Don't blame Jimmy G because the 49ers didn't close out a Super Bowl. And I never understood why San Francisco was so willing to get rid of him. Then, of course, last Sunday, foot injury, out for the year. I know they say he may be back for the playoffs. I'll believe it when I see it. And I can't lie. The air just came out of my sails. The wind came out of my sails, and I got to own it. You just can't build a team around him. Yes, this guy is consistent. Yes, he wins when he is on the field, but he is just way too injury prone, and we have way too much of a track record at this point, right? It's one thing if it's a one-off injury. It's one thing if it's another one-off injury, but he basically doesn't play his first three years in New England, gets traded to San Francisco, can't stay healthy one year, comes back, competes for a Super Bowl, can't stay healthy the next year, basically is given a life raft this year when Trey Lance gets hurt and he can't stay healthy. So look, I love Jimmy G. I, I've i defended him. I didn't think they should push him out the door when we knew Trey Lance wasn't ready, but I also have to own it. I was wrong. You really can't build a roster around this guy. I was dead wrong on Jimmy G. Where Aaron was right. This is one I've been dead right about. When UConn basketball fired Kevin Ollie and Dan Hurley was the lead candidate, I said, this is the guy for UConn. And even in the early UConn years, I've gotten some pushback because he hasn't won big yet in the NCAA tournament. Okay. Obviously last year lost as a five seed first round to New Mexico state the year before they lost to Maryland. And so people have kind of said, are we sure he's that this guy is a superstar? Okay. This was the guy that UConn needed. And I don't think anybody realizes the mess that he inherited in year one at UConn. Year one at UConn, coming off back-to-back losing seasons for the first time since the 1980s, comes in by the end of year one. You know, they're they're, they're kind of okay, whatever losing year that year. End of year two was the COVID year where they were one of the hottest teams in college basketball. They have made two NCAA tournaments since, and now they might just have the best team in college basketball. And so I bring it all up to very simply say, 
Anyone who has doubted this guy, anyone who said, oh, he can't win in the tournament, just give him time. As he told people a few years ago, we're UConn, we're coming. UConn has arrived. I believe they're the best team in college basketball. Where Aaron was wrong, this is just one I got to own till the end of time. When Jim Harbaugh applied or interviewed, I should say, for the Minnesota Vikings job on National Signing Day last year, I said it's over. I said, there's no way you can win back at your locker room. At the time, he lost both of his coordinators. One we knew was going to the NFL. The other, Josh Gaddis, went down to Miami. And I said, look, he's losing coaching staff members because of his decision. I don't know how the players can trust him. It wasn't just that he interviewed. He went on National Signing Day. His entire coaching staff was fielding calls from parents and players and whatever, saying, what is the future of this program? I didn't think that he could recover. Well, fast forward, Michigan destroys Ohio State, Michigan destroys Purdue, Michigan's going to the college football playoff, and I'll tell you, I don't think the gap between them and Georgia this year is as big as it was last year. I'm not saying right now that I think Michigan is going to win. I think it's going to be much more competitive if they face Georgia. Obviously, they are opening with a semifinal against TCU. Finally, where Aaron was right, this is un believable okay all right so Jeff Brom gets hired as the Louisville head coach I've always liked Jeff Brom whatever and so why I bring it up is because someone sent me a tweet that I sent out on November 28th 2018 it is still on Twitter okay and so if you remember in November of 2018 Louisville fires Bobby Petrino and they want to get Jeff Brom as their next head coach Jeff Brom at the time says, I'm good, I'm staying at Purdue, whatever. And there were a lot of Louisville fans that sat there and said, you know, we'll never forgive this guy, we'll never forgive him, how can he turn his back on his home program? And here is a tweet that I sent out on November 28th, 2018, that somebody sent back to me on Wednesday of this week after Jeff Brom accepted the Louisville job. Here is what I said to a Louisville fan who said, we'll never forgive Jeff Brown. I said, I don't believe that. If this guy is, if the next guy, that would be Scott Satterfield, is Steve Cragthorpe 2.0, that was a really bad coach before Bobby Petrino. I said, if the next guy is Steve Cragthorpe 2.0, and in four years, Jeff Brown is coming off a Big Ten West title and hit his ceiling at Purdue, Louisville fans would welcome him back with open arms. At some point, it will be time for to move on from Purdue. It just isn't now. Oh my God. Do you did you hear that? In 2018, I said at some point he's gonna come back and he might be coming off a Big Ten West title. That's exactly what happened. Listen, I don't want to say I could see into the future, but at this point, I can't definitively say that I can't. I just use a triple negative because I'm so excited. If the next guy is Steve Cragthorpe, and in four years, the same four years, I literally said in four years if they're coming off a Big Ten West title, they are. He left. It's unbelievable. I don't know how I did it. Credit to the fan that found it. Of the all-time where Aaron was right, predicting four years from now, Purdue could be coming off a Big Ten West title. Jeff Brom could have hit his ceiling at Purdue, and he's deciding to leave. Never seen anything like it before. All right, with that said... I do think it's time for me to get out of here. Before we do, I want to remind everybody, please make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Apple, Spotify, 
Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed to the show. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead and give us a quick five stars. Oh, by the way, make sure you're following on YouTube. We broke 16K yesterday. Now we are officially on the road to 17K. I appreciate all your support. It is time for me to get out of here. What a day it was on today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, but it is time for me to go. Shout out to Torker. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you head. Shout out to Who Day Wins, who won some cash, courtesy of Bracket Fanatics. I'll be back on Monday. New Aaron Torres Pod. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.